Welcome to Beyond the Call, brought to you by Start Church. We hope you enjoyed the upcoming podcast and hope this time is empowering, inspiring, and helpful as you pursue the dream God has put in your heart. The participants of this podcast are not attorneys, and this recording is not to be considered legal advice. Please contact your local attorney's office where needed. Enjoy today's podcast. Welcome to Beyond the Call, the podcast in which we talk about topics that help churches and ministries protect what God has called them to lead. I'm Marielle Villarreal, and on today's episode, we will be talking about ministers' taxes. From our experience in assisting ministers with their tax returns, ministers who end up owing taxes usually do so because of incorrect information received from another minister and, in some instances, a tax professional. And oftentimes, the incorrect information can be attributed to myths surrounding ministers' taxes. In this podcast, we'll be debunking some of the more popular myths surrounding ministers' taxes. And joining us today to help us do so is Amy Manderscheid, Vice President of Accounting here at Start Church. Thanks so much for joining us, Amy. Thank you so much for having me, Meryl. I'm excited. Well, let's dive right in. Amy, one of the most popular things that ministers tend to hear is that they don't have to pay income taxes. But of course, here at Start Church, we know that's not the case. Can you walk us through why this statement is false? Absolutely. So what in reality happens is that ministers have the ability to be exempt from income tax withholdings, but not necessarily from paying income taxes. So many ministers misunderstand the fact that wages for a minister may not be subject to income tax withholding. Income tax withholding is the money retained by your employer to pay directly to the state and federal government. Since ministers are able to exempt from this, this sometimes leads to a false assumption that they don't have to pay income taxes. And unfortunately, it's not until it's too late and costly do they realize the gravity of the mistake. Wow, that's right. And a big part of this is because ministers have dual tax status, correct? Can you break down what that means for our listeners? Yes, that is correct. So what this means is that pastors are considered employees for the purpose of federal income taxes, but at the same time, they're also considered self-employed for Social Security tax purposes. So as a result, pastors are responsible for withholding and making quarterly estimated tax payments unless they have entered into a voluntary withholding agreement with the church or the organization that they're working with. As a minister, you can pay your taxes in quarterly installments, and you can do that using Form 1040ES. The bottom line is that if you are a minister and you've not entered into a voluntary withholding agreement with your church, then you're going to want to make sure you make those quarterly estimated tax payments. And another important fact to be aware of is the exemption that's available to ministers called a 4361. This gives them the option to opt out of paying Social Security and Medicare if they wish and they do qualify. This is done by completing the IRS Form 4361. And if you have more questions about this, we have specialists that would love to talk you through what this process looks like. Now, let's go on to another popular myth, which is... Love offerings are not taxable income, when in fact they are. So Amy, why is there so much confusion about this? So a big part of the confusion around love offering comes primarily because they use the word love in there, which implies that it's a gift. Um, However, the IRS looks at that as compensation to the individual. 
Um, in the giver's mind, it may be considered a gift, but the IRS calls it compensation. So section 102A says that gross income does not include the value of property acquired by a gift, bequeathed, devised, or inheritance. So while the members of the church are truly giving a love offering as a gift to a pastor or a minister, the IRS says that it is taxable income because of section 102C1. And this says that any amount that is transferred by or for an employer to or for the benefit of an employee shall be treated as gross income. So those are pretty complicated terms there, but basically the IRS is saying if you receive money from an organization for a service that you provide, whether it's a love offering or a gift, it is still considered compensation. So while the law clearly states that a gift is tax-free up to a certain amount, the fact of, that the gift is given to the church and then given to the pastor or the leader makes it 100% taxable because of that section. However, there is a small concession in the law that if the gift is under $25, it may be considered exempt. That's such valuable information. Now, something else that we find to be common practice is the notion that if a pastor doesn't have the exact figures for their deductions, then they just round up or make a best faith estimate. But how harmful can that actually be in the long run? Well, actually, it can be very harmful. Um, this is something that really shouldn't be practiced at all. Deductions should never really be considered in round numbers. Um, inserting round numbers on a return tells the IRS that you're more than likely making them up, um, and this could increase the chances of being audited. Um, you know, you want to make sure that you're representing accurate numbers and you have the receipts to back that information up. Absolutely. And what about this other common mistake when pastors file their taxes, which is the notion that if I owe taxes and file an extension, then I will not have to pay taxes I owe until the extension is due. Amy, there's no truth to this, right? No, there's really not. Um, the truth is, is that all money that's owed to the IRS is due by the tax deadline. Um, if you happen to owe taxes and fail to meet the deadline, then you could be penalized for each month that you're late and you know, even have to still file an extension using Form 4868. In general, if you file an extension using this Form 4868 and you think that you may end up owing money for the taxes, it's honestly better to pay that by the deadline um, because what happens is the interest and the penalties will continue to accrue until you make those payments. So there is a misconception that an extension is an extension on the liability. It's really not. It's really an extension on the filing of the documents, not the money that's owed. Um, and if you do happen to overpay and you overestimate what's due, the IRS will offer a reimbursement for that money. And finally, let's break down one more popular myth, which is any CPA is a good CPA for ministers. Well, we do hear that a lot. Um, and while there are many knowledgeable and well-intentioned CPAs, all of them are not really familiar with the various caveats of ministers' taxes. Um, a CPA working on taxes for ministers should be well-versed um, in a lot of different subjects and be familiar with nonprofit tax law because many of the benefits afforded to a minister are directly tied to the ordination. For example, um, IRS Publication 517 is dedicated to explaining various rules regarding the tax status of ministers. And within this publication, it defines a minister as an individual who is duly ordained, commissioned, or licensed by a religious body constituting by a church or a church denomination. Ministers have the authority to conduct religious worships, perform sacerdotal functions, 
and administer ordinance or sacraments according to the prescribed tenets and practice of that church or denomination. So with this definition in mind, your chosen CPA should have a working knowledge of nonprofit tax law and how it relates to uh, specifically to you as a minister. So a lot of the things that we tell our ministers is a minister can be the most least tax individual or the most tax individual, depending on if it's done correctly. Um, there's a lot of different caveats that go into nonprofit tax returns and having a CPA that's familiar with that will be beneficial for everybody. Amy, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast today. And to all of our listeners, if you have any questions, please give us a call at 844-641-5781. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you for listening to Beyond the Call, brought to you by Start Church. If you have any questions about what you've heard today, please give us a call at 844-641-5718 or visit our website at startchurch.com. We hope you'll join us for the next episode of Start Church Beyond the Call. Start Church has helped thousands of churches and ministries protect what God has given them to lead. Check out our website at startchurch.com or feel free to call at 844-641-5718. We would be honored to serve you.